It lays the predicate and the foundation for the development of a weather satellite that will permit man to determine the world's cloud layer and ultimately to control the weather. And he who controls the weather will control the world. Just how dangerous and out of control are the global power brokers at this most critical moment in human history? How many really want to know? Consider this timeless quote attributed to Patrick Henry. We are apt to shut our eyes against a painful truth. Are we disposed to be of the number of those who, having eyes, see not, and having ears, hear not, the things which so nearly concern their temporal salvation? For my part, whatever anguish of spirit it might cost, I am willing to know the whole truth, to know the worst, and to provide for it. Again from Patrick Henry. How many are willing to fully face the oncoming train? while doing so, can still make a difference. The COP15 Global Biodiversity Conference, not to be confused with the COP27 climate conference that just ended, started in Canada this week. How many care? Sure, we're losing 200 to 300 species of plant, animal, and insect to extinction every single day, which is, for the record, 15 thousand times the background rate translation 1.5 million percent of normal but who cares we have walmart we have mcdonald's iphones xboxes who needs nature so many in the human race aren't just asleep at the wheel they're in a comatose state that conclusion includes many on every side of the orchestrated political fence mainstream media will continue its job of distraction division and polarizing of the population to keep their eyes off the wider horizon. Those that have summoned the courage to question the official propaganda and out-of-control criminality are now labeled as conspiracy theorists, labeled as a threat to democracy, to the nation, and even to our very lives. So says mainstream media, the Ministry of Propaganda. These are indeed strange and dangerous days on planet Earth. Time to buckle up. The grand finale... Is just getting started. This is Dane Wigington with geoengineeringwatch.org. You're listening to the weekly installment of Global Alert News, the end of the world as we know it broadcast, commercial-free, non-political, and covering the most dire and immediate threats we collectively face. On that specific theme about unfolding biosphere collapse, which will very soon determine our collective futures, global power structures are attempting to hide the totality of the planet's collapsing life support systems until the last possible moment. We're told that COP15, not to be confused with COP27, the climate conference that ended a few weeks ago, COP15 is the 15th UN Biodiversity Conference that started this week in Canada. We're told that this will convene governments from around the world to agree to a new set of goals to halt and reverse biodiversity loss over the next decade and beyond. Really? Does anyone believe a single word of this official statement? A conference of deception and delusional thinking while industrialized, militarized societies along with climate intervention operations continue to decimate what's yet left of the planet. The walls are closing in at absolutely blinding speed and there are so many issues that we can be, that we should be, deeply concerned about. Existential threats. But one issue stands out for the following reason. There's no place to hide from it. 
every breath we take is tainted. Climate engineering contamination, the fallout from the operations occurring in our skies, is ubiquitous all over the world. On that note, this week from Nature.com, this headline, How a Dangerous Stew of Air Pollution is Choking the United States. This report then says fires and droughts in the western states are getting worse, and they're combining with industrial sources of pollution to threaten air quality and people's health. What does this Nature.com report completely omit? The tens of millions of tons of climate engineering nanoparticle fallout. Tens of millions of tons dispersed annually all over the world that are raining down through the air column. This contamination is, again, ubiquitous and not reported by any official source. Question, is it any wonder why every other commercial on mainstream media is a big pharma advertisement about their latest, greatest concoction to treat some form of breathing disorder? On this broadcast, we'll take a deep dive into the climate engineering operations, those who promote climate engineering, a.k.a. weather warfare, and those who are paid to deny climate intervention operations. The weather is absolutely wrong in almost every way, almost everywhere. Natural untainted weather is now no more. Our formerly blue skies are now all but non-existent. And yes, there's many causal factors. The human race has treated the planet with unimaginable contempt. But one issue, the most disruptive and destructive of all, is categorically denied by all official sources and by the mainstream media they control. In regard to climate engineering and how long power structures have been fully focused on this covert mechanism of total control, again, this reminder of what former U.S. President Lyndon Johnson said 60 years ago. Johnson was vice president at the time of this recording. Here it is. And think about the opportunity that will provide the what an absolutely shocking and alarming statement from 60 years ago. Those who regularly listen to this broadcast have heard that recording many times. New on-air listeners haven't. And what President Johnson just stated is very relevant to much that we're about to cover. Next, what did President John F. Kennedy have to say about climate control? We shall propose further cooperative efforts between all the nations in weather prediction and eventually in weather control. Sixty years ago. President Kennedy and President Johnson speaking openly and candidly about the U.S. government's ongoing efforts to control the weather. And as Johnson said, he who controls the weather controls the world. Fifteen years earlier, in 1947, the U.S. military had already officially deployed hurricane modification operations with Project Cirrus. How far has the U.S. military's technology advanced in 75 years? Search geoengineeringwatch.org hurricanes. View some of the reports and find out. Once Lyndon Johnson took over the presidency after the JFK assassination, there was discussion on the subject of global climate cooperation. From presidency.ucsb.edu, this statement by the president on the agreement with the Soviet Union for the exchange of weather information. The following is a historical statement on the record made by 
President Johnson, quote, I'm happy to be able to announce that we have reached an agreement with the Soviet Union for the exchange of weather information between Washington and Moscow. Keep in mind, this statement was made during the height of the Cold War. Johnson continues, this is a good step forward in building the world weather system. Weather system. What's that mean exactly? You decide. There's more from President Johnson. He further stated this. In 1961 and 1962, the United Nations called upon the World Meteorological Organization to develop a program of cooperation that would strengthen weather service and research. The organization responded with a concept of a world weather system and has designated Moscow and Washington as two world weather centers. Read between the lines. The two superpowers with the two largest military machines, their cooperation in climate intervention operations is beyond question. It isn't possible to climate engineer in any single region without impacting the entire planet. Both countries have their own reasons for manipulating the climate and the global power structures like mafia families absolutely collude and cooperate on many dire issues. This is certainly core in that equation, the climate engineering operations. With all this in mind, Johnson continues further by mentioning, quote, international cooperation in weather matters and my desire to ensure that all departments and agencies of the United States government do their full part in support of international weather activities. What should we suppose President Johnson meant by using the word activities? From another historical document on weather manipulation dated October 23, 1964, Johnson stated this, Dear Mr. Secretary, as you are fully aware, we have over the past few years witnessed a substantial increase in international cooperation in weather matters. He then states, I have pledged the cooperation of the United States in the development of the system because of its importance to us and to the world at large. Now enter Project Popeye. In Vietnam, the U.S. military used weather warfare to flood numerous regions of the country of Vietnam, which was invaded by the U.S. And again, this is recorded history, not speculation. As we continue down this path, it seems some of the global elite pretended to care about climate engineering being an unfair and destructive practice. Consider the title of this U.S. congressional document from October 23, 1974, Heading, Weather Modification, from the Committee on Foreign Relations, United States Senate. Title, The Need for an International Agreement Prohibiting the Use of Environmental and Geophysical Modification as Weapons of War. Smoke and mirrors, all of it, a.k.a. hearings like this were all a facade. The U.S. military never intended to stop using weather weapons, nor have they. Why would they? By 1978, another congressional document appeared, this one titled Federal Activities and Weather Modification. This document is almost 800 pages long if you want to view it in its entirety. With important sections already highlighted, search geoengineeringwatch.org, massive U.S. Senate document on national and global weather modification. There is so much covered in this report, which outlines international cooperation, on weather modification operations, even between otherwise adversarial nations. That point is key and stated in the report. Also stated in the report is the total legal immunity for anyone and everyone participating in these programs. What a surprise. Moving on from the UN's own website, also from 1978, 
Convention on the Prohibition of Military or Any Other Hostile Use of Environmental Modification Techniques. What was the point and purpose of the UN Convention? To address, quote, the problem of artificial modification of the environment for military and other hostile purposes. Did anyone, any nation, pay attention to the INMOD Treaty, the Environmental Modification Treaty? No. Of course they didn't. Again, why would they? Does anyone that's even slightly awake actually believe that the global controllers care so much about protecting global populations? Does any shred of history reflect such benevolence by the money printers that manipulate militaries and the entire matrix from behind the curtain? No. There's no benevolence in this equation. None. Dozens of countries around the world have been droughted out and brought to their needs for decades by climate intervention operations which are profoundly effective at disrupting rainfall patterns, causing devastating drought, or triggering deadly deluge, along with other even more shocking climate engineering capabilities like engineering winter weather. Here's a few reminder cases in point on that subject, engineering winter, that I brought up in a recent broadcast. Consider the following former mainstream article headlines. This is leading somewhere. Please stick with me on this. November 10th, 2009 from ABC News. Artificial snowstorm brings chaos to Beijing. From that report, Chinese scientists have artificially induced the second major snowstorm to wreak havoc in Beijing this season. State media said, reigniting debate over the practice of tinkering with Mother Nature. Question, are we actually expected to believe that the U.S. military that's bigger than the next 10 biggest militaries combined is not neck deep in climate intervention operations, a.k.a. weather warfare? Let's continue from Popular Science Magazine. Again, this reminder, November 12, 2009, China's weather manipulation brings crippling snowstorm to Beijing. Again, parallel headline to the one I just covered. This report states, while the storm came as a surprise to residents, the government knew about it all along. In fact, the report says the government caused it. Again, that's a direct statement from Popular Science. One more reminder article. This is even earlier in 2009, February 18th, from Reuters.com. China's artificially induced snow closes 12 highways. China closed 12 highways around the capital, Beijing, because of heavy snow brought on after seeding clouds with chemicals, state media said. For those that have pondered the increasingly extreme winter weather whiplash scenarios, connect the climate engineering factor. Now let's consider this puzzle piece from a geoengineeringwatch.org report titled Creating Snowstorms, the Nolenberg Patent. It's U.S. patent number 361-3992A. Title of Patent, Weather Modification Method, filed March 25, 1966. Assignee, the United States of America, as represented by the Director of the National Science Foundation, the patent title states weather modification. The present invention provides a method for producing rain or snow. Materials suitable for use in practicing this invention are urea, potassium nitrate, and ammonium nitrate. The patent then states effective in producing ice crystals in a vapor cloud having a temperature as high as 6 degrees C. That's about 43 degrees Fahrenheit. In field experiments, urea has been observed to cause snow showers. The patent further states, quote, The invention described herein may be manufactured and used by or for the government of the United States of America for governmental purposes. What might those purposes be? Shouldn't we ask ourselves? Next headline from businessinsider.com from 2016. 
China spent millions on a shady project to control the weather ahead of the Beijing Olympics. Business Insider then states, quote, and dozens of other countries are doing it too. No secret, it seems, for anybody who's paying attention. Last year from the UK Guardian, China, quote, modified the weather to create clear skies for a political celebration. Before continuing on this theme, consider that all the verifications of the climate engineering reality that I just covered is the smallest sliver of the total available data and film footage that conclusively proves the climate engineering reality. Yet, the elaborate denial from all official sources and from their dedicated minions continues. From a Fox News report only a week ago, the White House to study releasing aerosols into the atmosphere. The report says this practice, called geoengineering, aims to reflect the sun's radiation from the stratosphere back into space to minimize rising temperatures. Yes, Let's all keep pretending that the climate engineering atrocities we see in our skies are actually just proposals that aren't actually there. It just looks like they're there. That's what we're officially told to believe. All available data confirms that climate intervention operations have been ongoing for over 75 years. Question, how's that, quote, minimizing of temperatures claim from the White House actually going so far? Not so well, as the planet hurls toward total meltdown. Climate intervention programs have pushed us from the frying pan into the fire. Stay with me, it gets better. From Yahoo News and other sources, the pushback from the power structure controlled media and so-called scientists that are tasked with officially denying climate engineering operations. Their job is to cover the tracks of the climate engineers, a.k.a. the weather terrorists. Here's the headline from this week. Carbon emissions, not weather modification, are driving global warming. Again, this is from yahoonews.com. The report then states, scientists agree that carbon emissions are to blame for global warming, but social media posts claim humans are engineering severe storms and heat waves. Yahoo then says, this is false. The report states, Experts say existing weather modification technology cannot be used to deliberately manipulate the climate. Let's repeat that last statement from this shockingly transparent disinformation and denial attempt. Experts say existing weather modification technology cannot be used to deliberately manipulate the climate. This statement is nothing more than Orwellian doublespeak. For the record, when massive global weather modification operations are carried out, Every single day, all over the world, for decades, that translates to climate engineering operations. Now, consider the next statement made in this damage control report put out by Yahoo News, put out because people are waking up to the climate engineering operations. The next statement in the report was made by the world's most recognized climate engineering scientist, Dr. David Keith. Again, we're going to talk about Dr. David Keith because he is the front man for the climate intervention denial. Referring to climate engineering operations, Dr. Keith said, quote, it's possible to spray aluminum or barium, but there's no reason I'm aware of. As to why it would make sense, it's not been seriously proposed as a way to modify the climate, end quote. The statement was made on an email from Dr. David Keith, November 29th, 2022, according to the report from Yahoo!, Again, Dr. Key stated that he is not aware of any reason spraying aluminum would make sense, and it, quote, has not been seriously proposed as a way to modify the climate. 
With all that in mind, and with everything I've already covered in this broadcast in mind, listen to the following in David Keith's own words. Regular listeners have likely heard this audio, but many of our more recent on-air radio listeners have not. Given Dr. Keith's very recent statement that spraying aluminum wouldn't make sense, quote-unquote, the following audio recording from an international climate engineering conference in 2010 has new relevance. Please forgive the background music. This audio is the only copy we have of this exchange. Here it is. The little picture is from a nanofabrication study, which shows you can make very high quality, and do this in just a jet in a very simple way, make high quality aluminum particles just by spraying aluminum vapor out, which oxidizes. So it's certainly in principle possible to do that. There's a big literature that's already looked at that. And you could do that by either building new versions of these aircraft or even re-engineering existing aircraft. So there's some ideas of that. So you go to an engineering firm and you want this done. They don't say this is hard or unusual. They say, okay, yes, we could do it. Aerosol geoengineering looks like it is so cheap that the cost is basically not going to be an issue. That means that implementation decisions will be risk-to-risk decisions. The risk of doing it against the risk of not doing it. And it makes the problem of how we govern it fundamentally harder and different than normal. So I've told you this, cheap to deliver materials and stratosphere, and I'm convinced that's true. I don't think that will change. But I think the more we do research, the less easy this will look, the more complicated the environmental effects will look. And that's a good thing, because right now it looks too easy. So I think that if we do more research, we're likely to find out that it's harder and more complicated than we thought, and that the side effects are harder to manage. And that's a healthy outcome that will make it easier to do the management. During Dr. Keith's presentation at this International Climate Engineering Conference, prior to the recording you just heard, his actual proposal was to spray 10 million tons of aluminum nanoparticles into our atmosphere annually. Keith said it would be, quote, cheap and easy. And now he says he can't think of any reason why it would make sense to spray aluminum as part of climate engineering operations. And that spraying aluminum into the atmosphere has he says, never been seriously proposed. That's what his latest email stated. Really, Dr. Keith, you in fact seriously proposed it at this International Geoengineering Conference. And I know because I was there. Though I was subsequently banned from future conferences for asking Dr. Keith the following question. And by the way, it's not really a moral hazard. It's more like free riding on our grandkids. Human circle California Air Quality Resource Board have named submicron sized particulates as being particularly harmful for human respiration. Through all the discussions today, uh, I have not heard any mention of this fallout, and has, has this been studied and also the effects of a highly reactive metal like aluminum on toxifying soils and waters? The question is, what would be the effects of these materials on human health if they came down into the stratosphere? In, uh, in particular, uh, small particles and aluminum. So, so the, the collaborators of mine working on the aerosol scheme are actually folks from Carnegie Mellon who focused on human health impacts. And while we haven't published it, that was the very first thing we did, was do the order of magnitude calculation in a level pencil and paper, but with an expert on human health impacts about whether there could be an issue. And, and for aluminum or other particles, there are a lot of toxicological things that need to get looked at seriously. But if you're just thinking about the sheer number of particles and the hu- helmet, human health impact of small particles, the answer is, well, we haven't published it. That was the first thing we looked at with some of the leading experts who do 
uh, epidemiological research on human health impacts, and it's not even close to being an issue. So, so let me be more careful here. We're to separate out the toxicological. So, the Illumina, we've only begun to research and publish nothing. We haven't done anything serious on Illumina, and so there could be something terrible that we'll find tomorrow. We haven't looked at. Now consider that exchange. Dr. Keith starts by stating that, quote, it's not really a moral hazard. It's like free riding on our grandkids, referring to his proposal of spraying 10 million tons of aluminum nanoparticles in disguise annually for solar radiation management operations. Not really a moral hazard, like free riding on our grandkids. Anyone have a problem with that statement? I certainly do. Then my question about toxicological studies on spraying 10 megatons of aluminum into our skies. Keith's response, paraphrased, there are lots of pollution particles up there already. 10 million tons more won't hurt. My follow-up question, the existing pollution isn't aluminum. Have toxicological studies been done on this specific element, which is toxic to virtually all life forms? Keith's response, no. They never actually studied the toxic effects of aluminum before seriously proposing spraying 10 million tons of it into our skies. Keith eventually states, terrible things could happen that we haven't looked at. Such a reassuring statement from the world's most recognized climate engineer that, as stated in the Yahoo News report, now claims that he knows of no reason to spray aluminum and it has not been seriously proposed for modifying the climate. They make it up as they go, covering the tracks of the climate engineers as the insanity rages on in our skies. Next, from this same Yahoo News report that's clearly damage control because people are waking up to the climate engineering insanity, The Yahoo report then states a study published in 2016 surveyed 77 atmospheric chemists and geochemists on whether they had observed evidence of a, quote, secret large-scale atmospheric program, such as that alleged by, quote, chemtrails theorists. All but one of them said they had not, according to the Yahoo report. Note that all official sources in their media lapdogs stick to the non-scientific term chemtrails, which is exactly why those of us fighting against the climate engineering insanity should stick to the science terms so we can't be so easily marginalized. Again, for the record, there is definitely more to this statement made by Yahoo News and this so-called survey about the alleged 77 climate scientists that denied ongoing climate engineering operations. Here is the title of a Geoengineering Watch report that can be searched online or on our website. Scientists surveyed unanimously refused to deny climate engineering reality. Geoengineeringwatch.org, working with a team of attorneys, surveyed 1,518 climate scientists and experts with a simple question. Were they willing to state on the record that climate engineering was not already occurring? How many of the 1,518 scientists were willing to deny climate engineering? On the record, exactly none. Geoengineeringwatch.org published the full list of scientists surveyed, every single name. And the list included all 77 of the so-called scientists that stated on the former survey that they saw no evidence of climate engineering. Quite a contradiction, wouldn't you say? Imagine that. From a website called David Keese Research Group, this climate engineering denial attempt, titled Chemtrails Conspiracy Theory, from Dr. Keese's site. 
It states chemtrails refer to the theory that governments or other parties are engaged in a secret program to add toxic chemicals to the atmosphere from aircraft in a way that forms visible plumes in the sky somewhat similar to contrails. Dr. Key's website then continues, We have not seen any credible evidence that chemtrails exist. If we did see evidence, they say, that governments were endangering their own citizens in the manner alleged in the chemtrails conspiracy, we would be eager to expose and stop any such activities. Is this not completely profound? That everything you just heard Dr. Keith proposing at an international climate engineering conference, he now paints a picture that if he really thought this was happening, he would be eager to expose and stop these activities? We live in an asylum, absolute asylum, with criminal government so-called scientists that say whatever they're told to say. Question, can the deception and official denial get any deeper than that? There's more. Also from the so-called David Keith Working Group, the chemtrails conspiracy theory, again, subtitled, because of the apparent similarities between the proposed implementation methods for albedo modification, such as injecting reflective particles into the stratosphere, again, exactly what Dr. Keith said in his own words at a climate conference, which I attended, with jet aircraft, of course, spraying these materials, and the alleged methods through website of Dr. Keith states, for producing chemtrails, some people, the David Keith page suggests, have linked the notion of chemtrails to the study of albedo modification, a.k.a. geoengineering or climate engineering. The Keith Group official denial of climate engineering page goes on with this. There is no evidence for the existence of chemtrails. They say, quote, extraordinary claims require extraordinary proof. The claim that there is a large-scale secret program to spray materials from aircraft is extraordinary. It's exactly what you proposed, Dr. Keith, and have been proposing for decades. The David Keith Research Group webpage then says this, all the evidence we have seen to date has been very weak. The most common claim is simply that aircraft contrails look, quote, different without any comparative analysis. They finish with this. This is as convincing as saying that alien beings walk among us in disguise as people because some people act very strangely. Question, does anyone else find those statements from Dr. Keith shocking, alarming, and disturbing? Comparing climate engineering to aliens? Climate engineering that Dr. Keith has lobbied for over so many years and then pretends isn't so? Bought and paid for experts are a primary tool for the power structure, for the matrix, that now holds life on Earth in the balance. Moving on, in the Northern Hemisphere, the weathermakers are busy trying to engineer winter weather, wherever they can. More details in a moment. You're listening to the weekly installment of Global Alert News, the bad news broadcast, installment number 383, December 10th, 2022. This is Dane Wigington, your host. Global Alert News is brought to you by geoengineeringwatch.org, the largest and most visited website in the world on the subject of climate intervention operations known as geoengineering. The commercial-free, non-political Global Alert News Hour is now broadcast on AM and FM stations in Florida, Texas, two stations in San Francisco, Sacramento, San Diego, two Colorado stations including Denver, Portland, Phoenix, Pittsburgh, Santa Cruz, San Bernardino, California, Washington State, Alabama, New York, two stations in the far north of California, and now... North and South Carolina, geoengineeringwatch.org wishes to express our deepest gratitude to those that have helped us to expand our reach and our voice in this last hour desperate effort to sound the alarm. 
On the subject of sounding the alarm, if you're on our email list, please put us on your email contact book so that our mail-outs don't go to the spam file. Please help us to share the groundbreaking documentary, The Dimming, which fully exposes the climate engineering atrocities, now with over 1 million views on YouTube. The best way to share is by circulating the direct link to The Dimming by email directly from the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org. Sharing directly helps us to overcome social media censorship. When viewing our YouTube of The Dimming or Global Alert News or any other Geoengineering Watch video on YouTube, please subscribe, share, and comment, all of which helps us to circulate critically important data to a much wider audience. In regard to reaching those that still aren't looking up, Geoengineering Watch awareness raising materials can be found on our homepage. Our only goal to provide activists what they need to move this fight forward. There's very high quality printed materials and just added Climate Engineering Conversation Starters are new Geoengineering Watch shirts with very high-quality four-color images on both sides of the shirts, scannable business cards, and bumper stickers, all effective tools to help strike up a conversation on the climate engineering issue. And that's how you plant a seed of awareness. Doing so is the first and most important leap we can make toward getting the as-of-yet uninformed to start looking up. Waking the masses to the climate engineering atrocities is the great imperative of our time. If we can expose it, we can stop it from the inside out as we awaken our military brothers and sisters to what they're participating in, i.e. their own demise and ours. And this final note, if you want to share a picture of yourself with a geoengineering watch t-shirt, perhaps at a gym, farmer's market, busy street, etc., please send us your photo so that we can post it as part of our activist compilation, which is now part of our materials page. The images encourage others to make their voices heard in this all-important battle to sound the alarm. Moving on. Breaking reports on engineered weather mayhem. But first, this footnote for the record. If climate engineering was halted immediately, would weather cataclysms continue? Definitely. The climate system is now broken from countless forms of human activity, with climate engineering at the top of the list. This being said, climate intervention operations are being utilized as a covert weapon of war for the controllers, which is making an already dire climate collapse scenario far worse still. On that note, from USA Today this week, this headline, Weird weather hit cattle ranchers and citrus growers in 2022. Why it likely will get worse. From that report, drought in Texas this year is forcing ranchers to send more cows to slaughter. That could disrupt the beef supply in coming years. No could, no may, no might, will. Be lucky if anything's available in a few years. And they say may lead to shortages. Again, not may, will. Experts link climate change with drought and other severe weather that hurt harvest in 2022. Again, on the subject of drought, core causal factor climate engineering Period. Atmosphere holds 7% more moisture for every degree C of warming. Uncensored data indicates we are past 3.5 degrees C now. It must rain more in a warming planet, but it's not. And climate engineering is the core reason why. Next headline about engineering winter weather. The following headline refers to what is scheduled for next week in the lower 48. Quote, monstrous storm could bring tornadoes, blizzard conditions, to central U.S. next week. The report says an extreme weather pattern will take hold in the United States next week and produce, quote, a doozy of a storm that could produce widespread severe thunderstorms and an all-out blizzard. They then say one massive storm that could wreak havoc on cross-country travel as well as pose a significant threat to lives and property. That's a warning from AccuWeather meteorologists. Their final statement 
quote, the dynamic storm will have a cold and wintry side as well. Extreme hail, tornadoes, thunderstorms, snow, blizzard conditions, snow nados, it's all scheduled. Where is much of the moisture coming from to feed this chemical ice nucleation creation? From the record warm Gulf of Mexico. Yeah, that makes sense. Winter storms from the Gulf of Mexico with a warm side and a cold side. Everything from tornadoes to snownadoes to hail, rain turning over to snow, temperatures far above freezing. This is winter weather mayhem, engineered from top to bottom. The AccuWeather report continues with this. Another risk forecasters will be exploring in association with the upcoming massive central U.S. storm will be the possibility of a spinoff or secondary storm later next week along the Atlantic coast. This potential storm could also produce its own zone of gusty winds, heavy rain, and inland pockets of ice and snow. Rain, quote, turning over to snow. That term is so commonly used now by those that cover the tracks of the climate engineers to mask the chemical ice nucleating operations. Elevation is now so often no longer a factor, nor are above freezing temperatures, especially at the start of the chemical ice nucleation assault. Welcome to climate engineering. Same process is being used on east and west coast. As moisture is fed in, it is seeded with these endothermic reacting materials, patented processes as covered earlier in this broadcast, and winter weather is engineered. Highly toxic surface cooldowns, shallow layer of cold air, chemical-laden frozen material that's now labeled as snow, and it creates the sensationalized headlines the climate engineers need to confuse and divide the population as to the true state of planetary meltdown until the last possible moment. How toxic is that snow? I covered that in last week's broadcast. But for those that didn't hear it, here's a quick rundown again. From hundreds of lab tests taken from all over the world, we know that the chemically frozen precipitation contains aluminum, barium, strontium, manganese, polymer fibers, graphene, surfactants, and likely much more that our limited testing has not yet been able to identify. You have to know what you're looking for. You can't just take a sample to a lab and say, tell me what's in this. That's not how it works. But what we already know is more than bad enough. And what's all of this doing to our soils, to our waters, to us, to the entire web of life? How about the insects on which our lives also depend? From this week, yet more confirmation of insect collapse from multiple sources titled Insect Apocalypse. The report states climate change amplifies risk of insect apocalypse. They say there is an uncertainty among scientists about how serious the insect's plight really is. Many scientists might hesitate to speak, they say, of an approaching insect apocalypse. No, it's not approaching. It's here, now. We've lost 80 to 90% of terrestrial insect populations. That is a collapse, now. But even so, the report then says this. Claims that insects will disappear within a century are absurd. End quote. Now, in a sense, the statement is correct. It is absurd to claim that insects will disappear within a century. Here's the reality. If the human race remains on the current course, insects will be gone by the end of the decade, this decade, and we will die with them. The report then states, if, as it seems, climate change is to continue unabated, with climate extremes in particular posing an immediate short-term threat to insects with long-term consequences for ecosystems, the report says it's essential to manage and restore habitats that make them as, quote, climate-proof as possible. What are we going to give them, little jackets and hats and mittens? They say 
that this will enable insects to find refuges in which they can ride out extreme climate events. Maybe they need little insect tents as well. This is absolutely absurd. Or hazmat suits is what they really need to shelter them from the toxic fallout and from the scorching UV radiation from the collapsing ozone layer that climate engineering is the core cause of. In fact, current rate of collapse, again, hovering at about 24 months out on the current course. Functional ozone layer collapse doesn't mean nothing's left, but it means that it's functionally collapsed. You can't grow food anymore, and that's when the fun really starts. And those in power know it. They know it, and they are doing everything they can to protect themselves from what's coming, not populations themselves. The report then says we should get serious about figuring out how bad the situation really is. This should be a huge wake-up call, really. Geoengineeringwatch.org stated this 10 years ago, actually about 12 years ago, were marginalized by the so-called science community that now is having to admit to the insect apocalypse because they can't hide it anymore. Another parallel headline from Reuters.com, The Collapse of Insects. This report says the most diverse group of organisms on the planet are in trouble. Recent research shows insect populations declining at an unprecedented rate. So many insects worldwide have largely vanished in what scientists are calling the global insect apocalypse. In same term, in nature, about 80% of wild plants rely on insects for pollination. Expect some dire consequences, the report states, for ecosystems and for people. They then say, as insects disappear, we're losing the limbs and the twigs of the tree of life. We're tearing it apart, and we're leaving behind a very simplified and ugly tree. So much for the proposal of supplementing our diets with insects. On the current course, there soon won't be any. But not to worry. Consider this just-published report from MSN.com. New food technologies could release 80% of world's farmland back to nature. The report then states, Cellular agriculture provides an alternative and could be one of this century's most promising technological advancements, they say. Sometimes called lab-grown food, the process involves growing animal products from real animal cells rather than growing actual animals. Sounds very enticing, doesn't it? They continue, technologies include microbial protein production where bacteria use energy derived from solar panels to convert carbon dioxide and nitrogen and other nutrients into carbohydrates and proteins. Sounds a lot like soil and green. And we're there, 2022. In fact, that's the year in which the movie Soil and Green was portrayed. 2022. What a coincidence. Back to the bottom line of biosphere collapse from NBC, ABC, UK Guardian, and more. 2,500 Caspian seals found dead along Russian coastline. From that report, authorities in the Russian province of Dagestan said it was unclear why the mass deaths happened, but that it was likely due to, quote, natural causes. Really, 2,500 seals go belly up at once, and we're told, go back to sleep. It's just an act of nature. Our oceans are dying by the day. I've tried to sound the alarm about this for a decade and a half. Climate engineering and countless other forms of human insanity are to blame. Industrialized, militarized societies routinely use the oceans for a toxic waste dumping ground. Combine that with industrial overfishing, superheating, and deoxygenation of the seas, and we end up with what is known as Canfield Ocean Scenario. Game over. What are conditions like in other regions of the Arctic? From MSN.com. This headline from this week. Amid 24-hour darkness, Alaskan Arctic town, actually 
This is the northernmost Alaskan town, reaches 40 degrees Fahrenheit, setting an all-time winter heat record. It shattered the former record by 6 degrees. The reading smashed the town's record for the warmest December day, but not just warmest December day. The warmest temperature recorded ever in this location between October 20th and April 22nd, all winter long. Warmest ever, by far. From AP News, December serving up baked Alaska and warming most of Arctic. This report, parallel. The entire Arctic is hot, except for small portions of the central and eastern Canadian Arctic and a very small portion of Siberia. It rained over the weekend in Nome, Alaska. That's last weekend. And the town also recorded record-breaking warmth. There's more. In Nuuk, Greenland, on Friday... It was shirt sleeve weather in December when the temperature peaked at 54 degrees. Other locations in Greenland were 35 to 40 degrees above normal. Does the U.S. mainstream media, climate engineering cover-up weapon of mass distraction ever mention all these global hotspots? No. Rather, they sensationalize the engineered winter weather mayhem. On that note from Yahoo News this week... This report, what happened to autumn, scientists point to climate change. The report says, regarded by millions of Americans as their favorite season, autumn for many regions of the United States has traditionally been marked by the gradual transition from hot summer weather to frigid winter temperatures. But they say in recent years, fall seems to have all but disappeared. And experts say climate change is partly to blame. What's mostly to blame is climate engineering. The report then says... We're seeing this weather whiplash in the fall where it can be so warm, it can have record warm temperatures, and then very quickly we can transition to very cold periods. Again, welcome to the world of climate engineering and engineered winter weather. Check the engineering winter section on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org to learn more. In late November, the scheduled weather for December in Northern California was for almost constant cloud cover with almost no rain. Was the schedule changed? Some rain is now occurring, but what happens every single time the rain comes late and less, if it comes at all, moisture is fire-hosed in off the Pacific, not normal storms, not storms like we had historically, but drifting masses of sprayed-out murk in the skies generally with very little rain often underneath. It comes in drips and drizzles. The sky, again, is featureless. It's so different from the historical norm. And so few notice. In my wilderness location on the east side of Lake Shasta, we're over 500 inches of rain short since 2007. Is it any wonder that the forests are dying and burning? Is it any wonder that the lakes are almost empty? And worse, the precipitation that does come is toxic, proven by literally hundreds of lab tests. More headlines last week from multiple sources. Snow to spread across 1,200-mile-long corridor of the U.S. this week. Again, this is the kind of headlines we see. We don't see scorching Alaska in the winter. We see this. The report states, although temperatures may be close to or above freezing during the storm, it can snow, they say, hard enough for several hours and allow an accumulation on some roads. AccuWeather senior meteorologist Adam Doughty said, a small pocket of freezing rain can occur with icy travel. This is chemical ice nucleation for weather modification. It now so commonly begins to snow at above freezing temperatures or we have freezing rain that means the ice nucleated precipitation is hitting the surface 
before it sets up. Now, very, very common. The massive hailstones, because the ice nucleation process is being started far sooner in the clouds. We have, again, the thunder snow that's now the norm. From this report, this subheadline, sneaky trailing storm could be the snowiest for the northeast. They say there could be a slight push of colder air that allows rain to become mixed with or end as a period of snow from Sunday. This is all covering the tracks of climate engineering and chemical ice nucleation when rain magically turns over to snow regardless of the elevation. This is not how it once was. I grew up in the San Gabriel Mountains. I know what snow is like and when there's colder temperatures at higher elevations, that is no longer the norm. It depends on if you're on the warm side of the winter storm or the cold side of the winter storm. Why is there a warm side to a winter storm fed with moisture straight out of the Gulf of Mexico? It's total insanity. From Yahoo News, California's drought disaster is turning into an economic disaster. They say it's unprecedented. And of course, it is, as geoengineeringwatch.org has warned about on the record for a decade and a half. Full-page newspaper ads in Northern California, paid for by geoengineeringwatch.org, going back a decade and a half, warning about exactly what was coming. It's exactly what has happened. This report states... At many of those fields in California this year, there isn't a single bird that can be seen. It's because there's no water. There's no plants. The fields are empty and bone dry. They've become fallowed. The streams of water that once flowed into the area and with beavers and deer and ducks are gone. The ground looks like slabs of cracked concrete, the report states. They say California is now experiencing the driest three-year period since the late 1800s. That's a blatant, glaring lie. Statistically... It's the worst drought in at least 1,200 years. They keep trying to walk that back, even though it's getting worse all the time. They say in the past two years, a combined $3 billion has been lost in revenue because of crop losses. $1.7 was lost in 2022 alone. You can't calculate this in money. When there's no food on the shelves, that's when the real value of what we've lost will become apparent. The rice crop in California was only half of the normal harvest season. Half. Think about that. And they're tearing orchards out in California with excavators. The report continues, for farmers who are planning next year's crop, some are wondering if it's even worth growing again because of the drought. It's not just the drought. It's the UV radiation. It's the toxic rain, vapor pressure deficit, because the climate engineering elements are desiccants. They dry up atmospheric relative humidity. Plants shut their stomata. They can't breathe. They can't feed. They can't grow. Last line from this report, even now, while global food shortages loom large, permanent shortages, by the way, the material consumption frenzy continues unabated throwaway society the tale of the human race but we're told just buy an electric vehicle that will save us from ourselves i saw an image last week that portrayed empire and the desperate struggle for remaining resources to sustain the dying empire the caption in the picture stated quote american geologists looking for oil in quote were there actual scientists in this image no only heavily armed U.S. military special forces roaming through a foreign country. The new geologists, the tote machine guns, spreading freedom and democracy, again, at the point of a gun. I know many have joined the military with honorable motives, but motives aren't enough. If, as a U.S. military member, you're being used for what you know is unjust and immoral, it's your responsibility to stand down. Refusing to participate in the climate engineering insanity would be a stellar start. For those that still refuse to face what's coming, what's already unfolding, the party's over. The former paradigm is collapsing by the day, and it's not coming back. Now we get to decide 
why we are here, what is our purpose, what will we do in the time we have. How many are still concentrating on building up that retirement account or chasing a degree for a vocation that won't exist? Many around the world are already fully focused on their next bite of food, finding enough water, and searching for shelter. That's the paradigm that's coming for all of us. Those in power are all too aware of this. They should be. They did everything to make it happen. Far too many in populations have been all too willing to go along. If I could live on a healthy planet, I would embrace such a simple, fundamental reality without hesitation, a reality completely connected to nature and the web of life, a reality of contemplation and learning. But our once driving home, planet Earth, has been badly damaged in countless ways and from above. What remains to be seen, what remains to be known is this. Can we yet salvage any remaining part of the planet's life support systems? How can we ever know unless we fully apply ourselves to the task at hand? And this doesn't mean falling for the facade of political anything. All of it is part of the problem. Truly making a difference means dedicating as much of our lives as we can, given our individual circumstances, to the task of exposing the insanity that's closing in from every direction and from above. If we can expose it, we have a chance of altering the equation in the right direction. When trying to awaken others, less is often more. Don't corner people and rant at them until they put their defenses up and want to run. Plant the seed, a.k.a. sharing credible data from a credible source, and then move on, unless they show a solid interest in learning more at that moment. Keep information foundational, the basic building blocks of an issue, the verifiable facts. In regard to climate engineering operations, what I mention to others as I'm passing on one of our geoengineeringwatch.org informational booklets or scannable business cards is that governments around the world have already deployed devastating and dangerous climate intervention operations without public knowledge or consent, without any environmental impact studies whatsoever, or any concern for the consequences of these operations. I continue by stating that this issue is greatly affecting all of us, that our mission at Geoengineering Watch is to achieve public disclosure, and that I hope they will consider investigating, and that's it. I pass the materials on to them, and I leave it at that. There's also so much that can be done online to move the fight forward. Locate email contacts for environmental articles, groups, organizations, ag groups, elected officials, media. The list is endless. Send them a straightforward request for them to investigate the climate engineering issue. Attach a link or two that contains solid information. The dimming documentary is what I use. And again, move on. If our combined efforts can throw out enough sparks of awareness, spot fires of awakening will start. And when there's enough of them, there will be an inferno of awakening that can't be put out. It could cause a shockwave around the globe. It could alter the equation that we face. The clock is ticking, the sand in the hourglass running out. Please stand with us in this all-important battle at this most critical hour. Make your voice heard. Make every day count. Until next week, stay strong. Never yield to the insanity, ever. This is Dane Wigington from geoengineeringwatch.org.